were a brand new college student. You were so excited finally going to the school of your dreams. You have great friends, you have a great life, and you even met a new guy. But this guy doesn't seem to be as into you as you are to him. But do you let that stop you? No. You keep trying to get his affection because you want him to value you the way you feel you deserve to be. But this guy doesn't deserve you. He never did and he never will. But little do you know, this guy will eventually take advantage of your trust when you need him the most. Hello, my fellow divers, and welcome back to another episode of Crime Dive, where we take a deep dive into crime. I'm your host, Lexi. Thank you so much for listening and watching. If you're new, welcome to the water. We're so happy to have you. If you're returning, welcome back to the water. We missed you. Thank you for coming back to take another deep dive into crime. Please check out our episode description. There you will find all of the links to our TikTok, Instagram, podcast, and my email for any business inquiries. Today, we're going to be talking about the tragic death of Ali Koshel. I'm gonna need you guys to please buckle up. I think you're gonna get pretty angry with this one, so just be prepared for that. But with that, let's get right into the case. Alexandria Madison Koshel, who we will be referring to as Ali for the remainder of this episode because that is what she went by, was born on September 11th, 1997 in St. Louis, Missouri. Her parents' names were Cindy and Keith Koshel, and she had a brother named Andrew. Allie was described as being bubbly, cheerful, she was always smiling, and she got along with everybody she came across. She really loved flowers, animals, and sunsets, and she even had a whole Instagram account dedicated to sunsets. That's just how much she loved them. Allie, what are you doing? Taking a picture for sunsets by Allie. <laughs> Allie was what you would call a girly girl, and she loved getting dressed up and getting cute. She was very into fashion. She was also a very adventurous person. Allie attended Lindbergh High School in St. Louis, Missouri, and she was involved in track and field, cheerleading, she was on the golf team. She even volunteered to go to Peru and Africa, where she taught English to children. Allie absolutely loved children. She would even babysit in her free time. Allie was very big into doing what she could for their growth and development. Allie always wanted to attend the University of Mississippi, which everybody knows as Ole Miss. She really wanted to go to a school that was rooted in tradition, history, and football and she felt like Ole Miss would be the perfect school for her to attend. Off Hemingway Stadium, Oxford, Mississippi. It is the home opener for the Ole Miss Rebels. Not to mention, Allie really felt like she could find her future husband at Ole Miss. She felt like the type of guy that she wanted matched with the values and the morals of guys she believed went to Ole Miss. So this is where she wanted to go. And she did. In the fall of 2016, Allie attended Ole Miss and she started as a freshman. Allie studied marketing when she attended Ole Miss and she even became a founding member of her sorority, Alpha Phi. She even became the president of the school's golf team. She worked part-time as a Pilates and a yoga instructor just to help support herself. And she was just having a great time in school. She was keeping herself occupied while focusing on her studies and she was making really great friends. Allie really had aspirations to get involved in the fashion industry upon graduating because as I said, she loved to get cute. She had some really cute outfits that she just knew how to put together. 
Shortly after arriving at Ole Miss, Allie met a boy named Brandon Thiesfeld. Now he was a student from Fort Worth, Texas, and he started going to Ole Miss in the fall of 2016 as well. When they first met, Allie was really into Brandon. They were casually dating, they were hanging out, they were having fun, but they never actually officially started dating. Like they were never boyfriend and girlfriend. It was always a very casual on and off kind of thing, according to Allie's friends. But Allie wanted more. She saw Brandon as somebody that she could potentially pursue a relationship with, and she was head over heels for him. She really hoped that one day she could take their relationship to the next level. Allie's best friend from high school, a girl named Maddie Norris, had actually gone to visit Allie at Ole Miss not long after she started going there. And Maddie was kind of looking forward to meeting Brandon because she's like, who is this guy that my friend is so into? But the whole time Maddie was there, Brandon never came around. It was almost like he was avoiding Allie's friend, as if meeting her would mean that he and Allie were something more than what they were. Maddie felt like it was kind of weird. She definitely felt like Allie and Brandon's relationship was a bit more one-sided, meaning that Allie was more into Brandon than Brandon was into Allie. By the summer of 2019, Allie was set to start her senior year the following month. She had her parents come down to her apartment that she had near Ole Miss in order to hang out with her before school started and she got busy again. So they came to her apartment, they made her home to cooked meals, which if you're a college student, is a godsend. We all need it. And they just hung out and had fun. Allie even wanted her parents to stay for an extra day, but unfortunately they had to return home to St. Louis, Missouri. But little did any of them know that this was the last time they were going to see each other. On the night of Friday, July 19th, 2019, Allie decided to go out to the square with some of her friends. The square is a place in Oxford, Mississippi that has a strip of bars, restaurants, museums, and just fun social things to do. And it's only a short walk away from the Ole Miss campus. Allie decided to head out alone in order to meet up with her friends who were already out in the square. And this was said to be normal for Allie to do, to go places by herself because it was so close to where she lived. Allie hung out with her friends, they had a good night, and around 11.52 a.m., Allie's seen on surveillance leaving the bar and she was walking down the sidewalk to meet her Uber and she was alone. And this is the last known footage of Ali Kostel alive. The following day on July 20th at around 10.30 a.m., police officers were patrolling an area known as Sardis Lake, which is a very remote hunting and fishing campground. Now, because it's so remote and there's not a lot of people that go there, there's a lot of woods for acres and acres, police try to make it a habit of regularly patrolling these areas just to keep away any sort of trouble because people will see these remote areas and think that they can get away with doing certain things that they may not be able to do in more populated areas. And it was during one of these routine patrol walks that police officers came across the body of 21 year old Allie Kostel. She had nine gunshot wounds to her back and on the ground they found her purse and an empty white claw can. Inside her purse was her Ole Miss ID card and her driver's license. Next to Allie's body were also 11 shell casings. Police decided to call for an ambulance and upon their arrival, they announced 21-year-old Ali Kostel dead. They had to go and notify her family all the way in St. Louis, Missouri. And they let them know that there had been a homicide and that Ali was the victim. 
Now imagine being a parent and getting this type of news when your child is away at school. I feel like that's every parent's worst nightmare. I mean, I could not imagine receiving that type of news when you just saw your child only a few weeks ago for the last time and you didn't even know it. I feel like that's something with children who are in college and they may be further away from home so they don't get to see their families as often. So for something to happen to them when they're away at school and their parents have to find out when they may not have even seen their kids for a few weeks or a month you know you're not seeing them every day so I just feel like that makes it even more difficult to accept the fact that they're gone. Allie's funeral was held on July 27th at the Concordia Kirkwood Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri. Family and friends paid their respects to her and they said goodbye for the last time and Allie's parents were so heartbroken. I mean, they couldn't even come to terms with the fact that somebody would want to hurt their beautiful, sweet, loving daughter. I mean, Allie never had issues with anybody. She got along with everybody she came across. For them to think that somebody would want to hurt her, it just didn't make any sense to them. The day the police found Allie's body on July 20th, they decided to search her apartment to see what they could find. And they ended up finding her Apple Watch. Now, if you have an Apple Watch, you know that it syncs with your iPhone and some of your messages pop up on it so you can respond from there. And on Allie's Apple Watch, police found that the last person she had spoken to was a boy named Brandon Thiesfeld. Now, if you recall, Brandon is the guy that Allie hangs out with occasionally. They're casually dating on and off, but she is head over heels for him. Police decide to contact Brandon and see if he has any information on what may have happened to Allie. And they wanted to speak to him. They said, hey, can you come in tonight? Which was a Saturday by this point. He's like, oh no, I can't, I'm busy. And say, well, can you come tomorrow, Sunday? Oh no, I can't, I'm busy. So he kind of just kept dodging police, which they felt like was weird. If you're not involved, I mean, why don't you want to talk to us and figure out what's going on? And finally, Brandon agrees to meet with police on Monday, July 23rd at 8.30 in the morning. But 8.30 comes and goes and Brandon is nowhere to be found. And he hasn't contacted police to let them know that he's running late or asked to reschedule. He just doesn't say anything. So at this point, police are definitely starting to get pretty suspicious. So much so that they decide to track his phone. And when they track his phone, they find that he is on Interstate 55 in Memphis, Tennessee, headed towards Fort Worth, Texas, which is where he's from. Now it looks like Brandon is on the run. He's driving away from Missouri towards his home in Fort Worth. And police definitely felt like this was odd. So they decided to follow him because they felt like he was going on the run. Police decided to issue a warrant for Brandon's arrest as well as release a be on the lookout or a bolo alert for his black truck. Brandon had a very distinct license plate and it said, take it. It would be pretty easy to spot considering the fact that it's not just a bunch of jumbled up numbers and letters that don't make any sense. It says something. So it would be pretty easy for them to find him. And after tracking his phone, it didn't take long for them to find him. Brandon was found at a Chester's gas station in Memphis, Tennessee, and he was arrested on the spot for the murder of Allie Koshtel. Brandon was extradited back to Mississippi and he was taken to the Lafayette County Detention Center where he was placed in custody. But Brandon would not talk. He immediately said that he wanted his attorney. So police gave him that right. I mean, he has that right as a citizen. Investigators realized they were going to have to find some other way to figure out 
what Brandon had been doing that past weekend when Allie's body was found. So they decided to speak to some of his friends. And according to his friends, on Saturday, July 20th, the day that Allie's body was found, Brandon had been out that night with friends and they were bowling, eating, hanging out. According to Brandon's friends, he seemed very normal. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary at all. But the next day, Brandon went to one of his friend's houses to spend the night and he brought a gun with him. He took this gun out, unloaded it, and put it on his friend's table. They were drinking some beer, hanging out, and eventually they fell asleep. But by the time Brandon's friend woke up, Brandon was gone. His friend was like, not sure why he just randomly brought this gun here and unloaded it, but he made sure to tell police that this is what Brandon did. So police wanted to find this gun and they searched Brandon's truck and there it was, a 40 caliber handgun. And the caliber of the gun matched the caliber of the shell casings found next to Allie's body. Not to mention Brandon also had blood on him, which indicated that something had happened. And given the details, it definitely seems like it may have been something that had to do with Allie. As investigators began to look into Brandon and Allie a little bit more, they began to uncover a lot more about their relationship. And they found that Allie was a lot more serious about Brandon than he was about her. Allie's friends would even go on to say that Brandon was very manipulative with Allie. It was almost like he knew how much Allie liked him and he knew he didn't like her the same. So he would oftentimes manipulate her into doing things that he wanted her to do. He would also just be kind of rude to her. He just seemed to be not the best guy to her and he didn't really value her the way she deserved to be valued. By August of 2019, the case against Brandon was brought against a grand jury in order to see if there was enough evidence to formally indict him for murder. And a lot of evidence was brought up, including the gun that was found in Brandon's car, the shell casings at the scene matching Brandon's gun, and a letter that Brandon had written to his parents. Now, in this letter, Brandon goes on to say a few things that are pretty troubling that may suggest that he had something to do with Allie's death. In the letter, he said things like, he's always had terrible thoughts. I know I'm going to get caught. This is the end for me. I'm either going to prison or going to die. The prosecutors believed that this was a confession on Brandon's part. They felt like he was writing this letter because he had done something to Allie. Other people also felt like this was a note suggesting that Brandon was going to take his own life because of what he had done. And maybe he didn't want to face the consequences of it. After being faced with all this evidence, the grand jury found that there was enough to formally indict Brandon for the murder of Ali Koshtel, and they charged him with capital murder, which carries the death penalty. In September of 2019, Brandon decided to plead not guilty to this charge. The prosecution begins building their case against Brandon Moore, so that way they can make this charge stick. They decided to go back into Allie and Brandon's text messages to see if they could find a motive for why Brandon may have killed Allie. And what they found was very, very shocking. They found a message that dated all the way back to April 14th, 2019. And Allie had sent Brandon a picture of an inconclusive pregnancy test. Allie also sent a text saying, like it's a very faint blue line, but IDK, I guess I can wait and see if my period comes. Brandon replied with, well, all right, we will see, but if it's pregnant, we are not keeping it. We can get a pill. Allie responded by saying, I'm not saying what I'm gonna do because IDK what's happening, but even if you don't want to be involved, like I am really pretty and sweet, and I know I will meet a real man one day. 
And Brandon replied with, I'm serious, no kid at all. It will ruin my life. So it seems like Allie was on the fence about this potential unplanned pregnancy, but Brandon was dead set that he wanted nothing to do with it. This was a huge revelation for investigators because up to this point, they really couldn't understand why Brandon may have been involved in Allie's death. Around the time of these messages, Brandon had become very distant from Allie and he would really only text her just to tell her, we're not keeping the baby. But Allie would continue to text him over and over again, just wanting him to understand why she wanted to keep it. Brandon would ignore her texts, he would blow her off, he would say he was gonna hang out with her when really he wasn't, and he would really only text her just to let her know that he did not want to have a baby. Baby. Police also found out that on July 12th, a week before Allie passed away, she had sent Brandon a picture of two more inconclusive pregnancy tests while he was on his way home to Fort Worth, Texas. And I guess at this point, Brandon was just very fed up and he was upset at the fact that Allie kept sending him these messages. So the next day on July 13th, Brandon posted a picture on Snapchat at 4.16 p.m. of the 40 caliber handgun that was found in his truck. And he captioned it, finally taking my baby back to Oxford, insinuating that he was taking the gun with him back to school. Police also uncovered Brandon's search history at the time when he was home and posted the Snapchat saying that he was taking his gun back to school. And some of these searches included how to get away with crimes, how to tie somebody up, what the gun laws in Mississippi were, and how did Ted Bundy lure people in. So it sounds like Brandon was trying to educate himself for something that he may have been potentially about to do. But according to Brandon's attorney, he was just looking these things up because he was curious about guns. I mean, he was like, hey, it's the South. People have guns. They're very interested in them. And maybe Brandon had just acquired a new interest for guns, which I can understand that to an extent, but given everything that happened, seems a little far-fetched. Police also found more text messages. And on Thursday, July 18th, 2019, two days before Allie's body was found, around 1.50 in the morning, Allie sent Brandon a picture of her stomach, seemingly trying to show him her baby bump. And on Friday, July 19th, the day before Allie was found, Brandon texted Allie that day at 3.30 p.m. And he said, are you gonna be home today? because I could visit. And around 5.45 p.m., Allie responded with another picture of her stomach. And she said, like it isn't like I'm not that small anymore and I can pretend I'm fat right now, but IDK, it's getting hard. And Brandon just replies with, just let me know when you were back from going out. Is your house private right now? which is to me very, very eerie. Now it definitely sounds like Brandon is trying to make sure Allie's house is going to be empty so that way they can be alone without any witnesses. It also seems odd that he's even reaching out to her first to begin with because up to this point, he had been kind of dodging Allie and he was blowing her off. He would stand her up. He wouldn't hang out with her whenever he said he was. Allie was mostly going after him, trying to get him to see her. So this time Brandon reaches out to her first, which wasn't something he normally did. And I'm sure in Allie's mind, she probably figured, wow, he's finally coming to his senses and he finally wants to talk about things. But in reality, it seems like Brandon had something much more sinister planned. After 1.30 a.m., long after Allie had left the bar, Brandon decided to pick her up from her apartment and they headed to Sardis Lake, the very remote area where Allie was later found. The prosecution believes that they had been drinking at a picnic table and they were just talking and Brandon was sitting across from her when all of a sudden he just pulls out his gun and shoots her. And then he gets up 
and fires 10 more rounds before Allie is killed. After this, they say that Brandon fled the scene and he just left her there, thinking that because this was a remote area, nobody would find her. Now, Brandon decided to tell his attorney his account of what really happened that night. According to him, he and Allie were both talking and drinking and he decided to go to his truck so he could do some booger sugar. I, I don't think I could say the name of it on here. So we're just gonna call it that. And I think you know what I'm talking about. So Brandon went to his truck to go do that. And then he came back to where Allie was, but then he went back to his truck again, got his gun and shot it out towards the lake. And it got Allie's attention and she said to him, oh, you're crazy. Once she turned around, Brandon began firing off more rounds. Now this story is according to Brandon. And when asked why, he said he just doesn't know. All in that moment, all those feelings about Allie being pregnant just came to the surface. And according to him, he said that he just snapped. As I said, Brandon was facing a capital murder charge, but this charge would only stick if the prosecution could prove that Allie's death was premeditated and that he took Allie there with the intent to kill her. Now this would also carry a kidnapping charge as well. The prosecution knew it would be a little bit difficult for them to prove that Brandon actually kidnapped Allie. They definitely believed that her death was premeditated, but they couldn't prove that Brandon forced Allie into the car. So they decided to offer the defense a deal. And they offered that Brandon plead guilty to first degree murder. That way he wouldn't face the death penalty. There wouldn't be a trial which could cause more pain for the families and he would definitely go to jail. Everybody would kind of get something out of it. So defense agreed. And on August 27th, 2019, Brandon Thiesfeld pled guilty to first degree murder. And he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. I think Brandon knew he was going to be convicted of capital murder because of all the evidence they had against him and he didn't want to face the death penalty. So he just decided to plead guilty to a lesser charge instead. He's still going to jail for the rest of his life, but I don't think he wanted to face the death penalty. Brandon actually addressed the court and he said, there's no excuse for my actions. I have asked God for forgiveness and I hope one day that you will find it in your hearts to forgive me. Now this was the first time Brandon showed any kind of emotion during this entire process, which kind of suggests that he doesn't really feel bad for what he did, or maybe he's not really crying for Allie. He's more so just crying because he has now been convicted and he is going to spend the rest of his life in prison. And he was only 21. It's just so crazy to make such permanent decisions like that at such a young age. I've said this before, and then you affect everybody, including yourself. To this day, Brandon has never really said why he killed Allie, but he did come out and tell his attorney that he didn't even believe that Allie was pregnant. So then why did he do this in the first place? I mean, what was his true motive? I'm sure you're all wondering, was Allie actually pregnant or did she just say that? Well, according to her autopsy, Allie was in fact not pregnant, but that doesn't mean she never was. According to text messages from early July, the month she was killed, Allie had told Brandon that she had been suffering some very strange bleeding, which could indicate a miscarriage. So maybe Allie was pregnant at one point, but she just lost the baby. But we really don't know. Allie's friends have gone on to say that they don't know either, but her mom believes that she was pregnant and that she lost the baby before she died. As of today, Brandon Thiesfeld is currently serving a life sentence at the Mississippi State Penitentiary, and that's where he'll be for the rest of his life. He's not gonna get any parole. 
Allie will go on to be remembered for the lives and the hearts that she touched while she was still here. Her family and her friends will always have her memory to look back on and be thankful that they had her in their lives, even if it was for a short amount of time. Allie's parents said that they feel like she's still away at school and that's the only way they can think of it without it hurting too much. They just can't move on with life knowing that Allie is gone and that she's not coming back. This case is so sad and I really want everybody to know to value yourselves and value your worth and if a man is not seeing that in you, drop him. And it's so sad that she tried so hard to get to Brandon and he really never deserved her. But with that, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up today's episode. We'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you so much for listening and watching and I hope to see you in the water soon. <laughs>